Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Silent Films, back when they took no talking in the movie theater very seriously. Now, let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Streamberry. Watch the latest in modern entertainment, including the hit new show, Todd is Awful, only on Streamberry. Terms and conditions may apply. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And we're filmmakers. I write and direct and edit, and we act, and uh, Todd does all kinds of music. A lot more to be said on that in days, weeks, months, eons ahead. And we take all of that, and what we like to do, the reason we call this The Pestle is because we take a film, and we grind it up, see what it's made of, what's the parts that are ticking or not ticking um why is it working the way it's working and hopefully along the way make something new right you you take a mortar and pestle and grind up wheat to make flour to make bread uh we we grind up a movie to make this show and to uh understand a little bit more i guess the the creative process at times i mean it's all in flux like sometimes it's specifically about films and then other times you know it just it's there's so much application in creative fields, whether you're making a movie, uh, making a, a music song, you know, uh, performing whatever live theater. There's so much overlap and crossover between creative arts um, and humanity writ large uh, that it's always fascinating just to see because stories and storytelling encompass everything. Right. Just because we're covering a movie, um, the movie is going to be talking about a thing and it's so much broad applicability and life um, because humanity is creative. That's, you know, kind of our special thing um, is our creativity. And just because we're talking about movies, you know, life itself is always presenting itself in any given movie. And I love how as a species, we connect and learn about each other through stories and storytelling. Um, yeah. And so it's just always fascinating how much you can take away from a movie about life even though you know we we go there at times we we try to keep it about the movie uh but you know life happens along the way as ferris bueller i think said at some point did you just quote ferris bueller <laughs> i love it so today we are covering run lola run if you haven't seen this please pause this episode go watch it because it will spoil a lot of stuff i mean especially a movie like this it's a it's a short runtime. it's like an hour 20 yeah so it it, it goes pretty fast very quick. We'll talk about a handful of things for sure. Uh, the visual signature. I mean, this has such a strong visual style. It's easy to pick out. Run, Lola, run. There's a lot. I feel like for years and years, there were so many visual references to it and just pop culture, not even like homage, you know, style. And we'll also look at some of the story and writing, time, soccer, uh, and other such stuff and things and stuff. And a quick synopsis of the, of the film. I'm going to botch these names. Uh, just there's only two of them. I really, of them. truly debated putting like 15 names in there just to hear your oh, name. God, I would oh, kill you. That was so <laughs> after after a botched money delivery, Lola has 20 minutes to come up with 100,000 Deutschmarks. Written and directed by Tom Tykwer. Cinematography by Frank Graby, featuring Franca Potenti as Lola and Moritz Bleibtro as Mani. Perfect. Uva, Uva will be proud <laughs> of you. I'm sure is perfect. <laughs> For like weeks, I was pronouncing uh, Uva's name as you. <laughs> and, and he, <laughs> thankfully, he set me straight. I'm like, oh, man, was I way off. <laughs> so this episode is dedicated to you, my bud. My, my bud. Thank you, sir. Uh, so... <laughs> No clip. Um, I also debated playing like a random little German clip, maybe not even from this film, and passing it off as Run Lola Run. <laughs> Just and Uva would be the only person that caught it. Um, but yeah, no clip. It's it's all in German, and my German is worse than my English. And so, first time watching Run Lola Run. If not, as it, I assume mm. it's been a while. Yeah, it was my first. It was my first time. I'd heard of it a lot. Mm -hmm. I'd heard of it a lot. Obviously, I, I mm -hmm. feel like it's a. It's, I don't know, made the rounds. I'm not sure if it's like in, an underground kind of thing. Yeah, I think, you know, in the last, whatever, 20, 30 years, it's the most well-known German film. Okay. I don't know what else I would really put up against it, you know, in, in contemporary film. Yeah. Yeah. I 
I loved it. I thought the acting was great. I thought the writing was was fun and aggressive. Uh, what year did this come out? 98. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. This style, I feel like, was popular at the time. You know, like the the, the quick cuts, the quick zooms in the cut and, and everything. And um, I feel like it does it really well. It seems like a low-budget film. I'm not sure what the budget was, but but in a in the best way. You know what I'm saying? Like you can you can make a low budget film that doesn't feel like it. Where like if you sat down and analyzed it like we're about to, you could pick some things apart. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like specific things, but that we can talk about in a minute. But but you can make so much, especially now. I mean, like think about think about what how to make a film like this in 1998. You know, budget or not it's harder. It's, it was much harder to make a film. I mean, you know, it didn't have phones like we did today, barely had the internet, you know, it was like super hard or much harder. And nowadays it's, it's so easy. And if you have like one or two cheap lights, you could do this. You could make this movie right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, it's the interesting thing about this movie is that it's all about the story and it's all about these little moments I feel like that tell you so much about what just happened. Right. It just, I don't know how to explain it. Like almost like, um, at the end of, cause it's three segments and at the end of each segment, something happens and so much is told to you by react, like a split second reaction that lasts for a few seconds about what just happened. You can see them thinking, you can see Lola thinking, and then you can see Manny thinking, and then, and then it goes into something else. And then I, I just, I really love that. And I love that it's the action heightens the suspense. However, we kind of know what's coming after we see it the first time. We kind of, okay, where's the guy on the bike? Okay, where's the homeless guy? Okay, where's that woman? And, and I love how they give like little tiny backstories of everybody that she runs past with the Polaroid sound mm -hmm. or the, the, the um, photography sound. It's just a little, little extra. It's fantastic. And it was a lot of fun. And I, because I didn't know the ending, you know, I went into it as it was going through, I was like, okay, I got this, you know, we're going to go through this a couple of times. Okay. All right. But each time it was a little bit different. And so even when I was seeing something that I thought I had seen before, it was a little bit different. And so it made it fresh. The spots that I think, well, the one specific spot that was like obvious low budget was the shot always with her dad and that woman in the, in the room. So grainy and like, you know, backlit to hell. I don't, I don't know why they shot it into a window like that. It was, it was like they had their ISO up to like 12,000 or something. I don't know. It was so grainy and dirty. And that was, that was fine if that was what they were going for, but that was the only shot that was like that in the whole film that I noticed. Okay, there might've yeah. been others that were grainier, mm -hmm. but um, I, that jumped out at me every single time, like all three cycles through, yeah. but whatever it didn't, it didn't bother me. It took me out for a second and then I got right back in. And if it was motivated, cool. I just didn't yeah, get yeah. it. And then we get a lot of backstory with Lola through that, through the way her dad reacts. He's just such a prick that like we kind of see okay she's been she's had a hard life she's gone down this hard road that's kind of why she's with manny and then the acting at the end is so wonderful when she sees him and he's okay he got the money and he's walking to her and you see that she's questioning everything you know and then you know, he greets her and they start walking away and then he asks her what's in the bag and then we cut. It's a perfect ending. It, it just is so good. She doesn't, they don't give her, or let her respond at all. You know, they don't take it any farther. They just let you imagine how she would respond. But I just love that you can see on her face that she's questioning, you know, being with him in general, like, why, how did I get here? You know, basically, <laughs> like, what the heck just happened? Uh, is this right? You know, we're one of the other endings better than this one, you know, because, <laughs> you know, like this is this is kind of like not good. And anyway, it just I really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, same. Like I haven't seen this probably in 15 years. Like I, I think I watched this 
in the mid two thousands. Um, and I've been really dying to rewatch it, uh, cause it's held such a strong visual, um, note in my head. And so revisiting it, I couldn't remember anything really. I remembered her running and the nuns. <laughs> And that was it. <laughs> like that's, I don't know why those nuns on the sidewalk and they're barely in it. They're there for like four seconds total in the movie. Um, yeah. And yet in my head, they're like a feature. Yeah, I don't. And so rewatching it, I was expecting to understand it a lot stronger because of how much more I feel like I've begun to understand about film and storytelling. And, and I feel like I'm dumber. Like I don't understand anything. And I think that's part of the point. We'll we'll come back to that in a minute, I guess. But I I loved it though. It's such a great journey. the The colors are so strong. His he's got this bright yellow hair. He's in this bright yellow phone booth. She's got this bright red hair. She has her bright red phone. Like the 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 strong visuals of this movie make it really easy to identify. Um, and I don't know connect with in a weird way because it it has all this frenetic pacing like you're talking about part of it's probably the style of the time but i think it also plays very much into the ideas of the film itself which again come back to that in a minute um because i have all i have are questions as uh, the man says at the beginning every answer that i get leads to another question and it's beautiful in that way um if frustrating and so the frenetic pacing, really wide angles at times, dramatic close-ups, uh, even at the beginning, right? Instead of an establishing shot, which is normally two cuts, right? Maybe three, you go wide. Oh, we're in the town square. And oh, there's the phone booth. Oh, here's a close-up of him coming into the phone booth. Nope. It's we're going to go wide and do this like undercranked push-in where we just walk into it, not on a dolly, nothing. And they clearly have dollies and cranes. Some of these crane shots are freaking amazing. Like they're so, so good. And yet they're like, nope, we're going to walk into it because once we fast forward this, like speed it up in post, it's going to create this weird kinetic energy, right? Um, and they do the same thing with her phone at the beginning. We do this wide and we just zoom into it with our feet right not an actual telescopic zoom uh, we're gonna walk into it and it's just like it's just crazy it's frenetic um and i love it and then of course all the colors are popping right her hair her green pants part of the visual style of the film is just her running right uh, and you see a movie named run lola run you do expect some running and they do not disappoint. <laughs> there is plenty yes. of running. Um, and I love it. And I can't quite pin down what all the colors are about. I don't know. Red could just be a signature of love. And um, right. Because if you look at all the red things in the film and there's so many. Right. Her hair. Um, the flashback conversations. Right. The pillow talk with her and Manny. Um, the, the ambulance. Her father's lover is a redhead even and the soccer shirt of the guy who steals the bicycle, like so much red everywhere. The other strong visual styling of this is what you were talking about a minute ago, uh, which is the formats. There are multiple formats throughout this movie, right? We obviously have 35 millimeter film, but then we have stills, right? All those flash forwards that we see of these people's futures are in stills, probably also 35, even though they're making these, like Polaroid sound effects. And then we have the black and white flashbacks. So when we go backwards in time, um, it's all in, uh, in black and white and sometimes in slow-mo, sometimes cranked up and fast forward, usually fast forward and this kind of weird kooky kinetic energy as well. But they also have digital video. That's the shots in the office with the, the dad um, and the lover. But we also see these digital shots of the car wreck, right? With the uh, her dad's friend or I don't know what that guy is. He's some kind of coworker and maybe a chairman or something. And everything with him is digital video. We also, when we branch off away from Lola, uh, we see a lot of digital videos with like the guy in the soccer shirt. He goes in and on that third run through, he goes and meets the homeless guy with the money, um, sells him the, the bike, right? That's all digital video. And so there's this branching timeline or non Lola, non-Manny timeline that they use other formats for. And then, of course, animation. They use actual animation. It's not just a title sequence. 
we're actually going to use animation in the in the heartbeats of the film right when she's coming down the stairway like that's a whole other animation uh and that could be a style choice all of this could just be pure style choices and i think it probably is but you could also make the argument that it's a budget saving thing because yeah this is probably a low budget i mean if they had more than like one to three million dollars i would be shocked i mean some of these locations are probably very expensive and ate up all the budget like getting into a bank for instance not gonna be cheap getting into that store probably not as expensive as the bank but still probably not very cheap and so maybe you look to cut corners and say how can we cut corners while still playing into some of the ideas and themes of the of the film probably switching out formats uh, the, the animation isn't like this highbrow style, right? It's, it, it feels very Portis head, right? Just kind of this crazy, That's big, a great description. simple, right? <laughs> uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's beautiful. It, it's very much accomplishing. I think the, not just the aesthetic goals, but the spiritual goals of the film, um, which still coming, you know, to be announced cinematography wise. I don't have a lot. I love the, uh, there's a sequence in the first run through where we're watching her run and we're watching her run through the, like the camera shooting through like this gate or this fence. And so it's got this beautiful parallax happening, motion blur. She's relatively still in the frame. So it's almost like she's not advancing at all um, within the frame. And instead everything is warring by her, right? Just uh, whooshing. And so you have all this beautiful motion blur. And what's great is I don't know how long that shot actually is in terms of how much space she covers, but let's say it's a shot for like 50 feet. And so you're going to set up track, which they probably did. It's probably like 50 feet of actual track because it's a really nice locked off shot. Some shots are probably in the back of like some kind of rickshaw and they're just grabbing what they can. Some shots are clearly in a truck. Again, they clearly had some really nice budget for some of these crane shots uh, are just fantastic. Uh, they had these beautiful overhead shots and like the, the town square, whatever that municipal courthouse building thing is, which at some times looks like she's running at 11 o'clock. Uh, almost if you were to create the an overlap of a clock on that frame. It's like, she's running at 11 and she's trying not to let it get to midnight um, or to, you know, noon when everything goes to shit. And so there's all these interesting cinematography visual elements, but with that tracking shot through the fence that I'm talking about, I love what I assume the way I would approach that moment is if I really want to drag this moment out, which I think they really do to give you the sense that she's running as hard as she physically can. And she's not getting anywhere. And so you shoot, you set up this 50 feet of track, shoot it wide. Got it. Now we're going to reset still on the same track, go back to the one. And now we're going to shoot a medium close up of her in, you know, from whatever chest to the top of her head. Then we're going to reset and we're going to do it again. Now we're going to shoot her feet right now. You've gotten 150 feet out of one setup and you can just kind of keep cutting in like, Oh, wide now we're going to punch into you know her face she's still running you know now we're going to punch into her feet still running and so it just is a really great way to maximize one single setup um especially because you need that time they do i'll come back to the runtime and then uh, man the other cool thing about all the running she's doing excellent work on makeup and wardrobe excellent because she's not sweating at all like it's such a light mist and they, I would be sh surprised if they're not shooting other than like spring. I think you want to shoot this as close to winter as you can, where everything's melted as cool as you can get it to help everything. But they also blow out all the highlights throughout the film, everything. The sky usually has this yellow tint. So it feels like summer. It feels gross and, and hot and you kind of empathize with her on this kind of emotional level. And yet they do a really good job of keeping an eye on her wardrobe. No sweat spots at all. The entire movie. It's incredible. Um, her makeup flawless the entire time. And even when she has lines while running, I'm sure her like cardio is through the roof in training for this thing <laughs> because, uh, but they, I'm sure they also do a really good job of giving her a moment, catch her breath. Cause there's a few times when she's running, she has a line. She is not one iota out of breath. Like 
she could have been standing still and delivering that dialogue. Like she, she talks to the guy on the bicycle a couple times. Um, and she's like, no, I'm fine. Like full resonance. Like she sounds amazing. Uh, I'm really impressed. What did you think of just her, her running style? How did that a- appeal to you as a, a, you know, more than an <laughs> avid runner? Yeah, it was awesome it, because she, she can't be too perfect. She doesn't look like, right. She doesn't look like a runner, right? And she's not, this is not something that she, she's not, not going out for star. an afternoon jog. Yeah. And she's wearing, you know, like what, like, uh, boots and, you know, like pants. So she needed to run like someone who isn't an avid runner necessarily, but who knows how to run in a way that's not annoying, <laughs> uh, to the viewer. I mean, cause it's, Honestly, like I'm being real, you know, it could be very annoying to people the way somebody runs. I mean, look, uh, well, uh, the the daughter and taken. Right. <laughs> <We> can, <laughs> I'll just use that as an example. So annoying. I can't even I can't even think about it. It makes me mad. But she she runs really well. And, um, you know, another great example is Tom Cruise and his the way he has elevated his running style throughout the years. You know, if you watch Tom in the early years of his running his style is one way. And then now watching him, it's like a totally different and it is, it's an art, you know, of like not just running in general, but running on screen for on screen. And I think that she just absolutely nails it uh, for her character, you know? Yeah. yeah. Great question. And she has to do it the entire freaking movie. And yet, yeah, I never got tired of it. Like it never really bored me. They do a great job. I think with the music choices um, and then finding ways to break it up visually like, oh, we're going to give her this segment. And even when they repeat those segments, they do it in, like you said, a slightly different way. Oh, we're going to go from, like, even the overhead shots in that little municipal square, uh, they go from letting her run from, like, I don't know, 5 to 11 o'clock, let's say. And then, but that first time, she's cutting across the squares in a diamond fashion. The next time we do it, she's still running from 5 to 11, but now they've lined up the uh, the squares with her so she's running down like one of the you could call it an aisle like this brick aisle um and so they constantly find these little interesting tweaks to keep everything fresh um and including like just a, a nice tracking shot you know we're gonna go from low to high and we're gonna you know do a crane tracking shot uh, and it's amazing. Like I, I'm watching it in the background right now and they literally have this shot of her running down the street and we're sitting street level watching her run towards the camera and we're just going to track to the right with her. Then the camera's going to rise along the way until it just keeps rising and rising, and rising. And it goes from street level to overhead. And suddenly we're seeing nothing but street. And it's like, she's being crushed by this run. Uh, visually, it's just a beautiful a uh, visual metaphor for what she's experiencing throughout the day um, and, and along the way. Amazing. One, so this is what I was talking about before. I don't know what this movie's about, y'all. On the one hand, just to get into story and writing, I find it absolutely hysterical that this is a movie made by, you know, Germans. It's a, a German, you know, Tickwer, Tykwer. I don't know how to pronounce this gentleman's name, but I find it really funny for a German filmmaker to make a movie about time and effectively entire movie is about how someone was a couple minutes late (laughs) and now it ruined everything. The world spun out of control off its axis. People got flung into outer space. Like it's just time stopped making sense. Right. Um, Just because someone was a few minutes late. And the reason that's funny, I think the only thing I know about German culture is that they're an incredibly punctual group of people. Like, I'm a punctual person, and they're more punctual than I am. And they will let you know it, too. Like, uh, it's a it's a country full of Wes's. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but I just think it's really, really funny that this is the, the whole crux of this movie is about someone was late to pick someone up. <laughs> <laughs> and everything yeah. went to hell. Uh, that's really, really funny, but on a, on a, you know, more thematic level, it's seems to be about chaos theory, right? And it's, it's looking at how the initial starting conditions can wildly vary outcomes. 
right? And that's the whole idea behind the butterfly effect, right? You change one little thing, a bird or butterfly flapping its wings in the Pacific can cause a, a hurricane, you know, in the Atlantic or whatever. Uh, and it's just very, you know, influenced by conditions at, at, the, at the start can just vary completely. Um, and this seems to be a lot about that. And I think that's kind of where soccer comes in. I the way I was trying to think about it was soccer the guy's comment at the beginning right the security guard seems to be this kind of godlike figure um just kind of in street clothes uh right he keeps making these comments to Lola that she is confused about like she has no idea and he's at the beginning is like you know some days it's just not your day um and then the second run through he's hey sometimes it's just not your day you can't have everything and she's like well grabs his gun right she takes matters into his own or into her own hands and then the last one he's kind of checking his watch he's like ah finally here you are and so he seems to be this kind of out of time person maybe he's our perspective in in the sense that i don't think she's aware of the time resets at certain points i kept waiting for her to make a comment to her dad right about what she learned in that first run through she learns that's not her dad and yet it doesn't stop her Right. We get to the to the end and suddenly, you know, she's holding his hand. She's bringing him back to life. Um, and so there's this really strong emotional element and story being told between her and her dad. And and yet I don't know if there's a lot of carryover. If she's experiencing this over and over again. I think we think she is because that's our experience. And I think we're projecting it onto her. But the more I watch this movie, the more I'm like, I don't think she knows. I don't know if she's aware. Fucking fly. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I got his ass. Motherfucker. Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> you need some chopsticks. I do. Get up. Get up. Get up there. Get into my trap. Get into my trap. Oh, my God. It's chaos. <laughs> I got your chaos ass. Chaos theory. You're done. You little shit. I won. You got him? Yeah. Yes, good. Yeah, you, you need some new blinds, but need blinds and <laughs> small price to pay. All that stuff. Oh my god. Um, yeah. <laughs> Chaos. That was fantastic. That. You couldn't write that. Do not cut that out. Do not cut that out. Oh, this one was not for the kids. <laughs> this is not for the kids. And so I don't know. I think soccer and what that's what he's talking about at the beginning um because right he he has that it opens with this quote from t.s Eliot, and that is from this quartet of poems i had to look this up I've, i haven't read a ton of t.s Eliot, a little bit i'm not great on po poetry um to be honest i've read like ginsburg and Eliot. your wife he, let me read some of her t.s Eliot books and it's great i mean it's it's amazing this quartet seems to be about time and um all kinds of interesting things repetition and, and in that way, it also seems to talk, be talking about chaos theory. But after he quotes T.S. Eliot, he immediately, weirdly quotes a soccer coach. I had to look this guy up. I was like, who is S. Herberger? Uh, Sepp. Sepp Herberger. And he's a German soccer coach. Um, and the quote was, after the game is before the game. And it's this kind of cyclical idea that, you know, there is no end. There's always another game. Just because you finished one, you know, it's just kind of mind-bending concept um, after the games, before the game. And that's kind of what they're experiencing in the movie, right? It's just this unending sequence. Um, but in, in soccer, as in any sport, like the initial conditions are all kind of the same, right? And that's what he says. Uh, the ball is around. The game lasts 90 minutes. That's a fact. Everything else is pure theory. And so even though you chaos theory, right, even though you have very similar starting conditions, you have a round ball, you have this pitch, you have 90 minutes to compete, the conditions completely change all the time. And if you were to play the same game back to back, obviously different results. We just inherently understand that. It's not even a question. It's like super obvious stuff. And I, I think that's kind of emblematic of the film in so many ways are being inserted into the film that idea of everything changes right this is 
she bumps into that random woman in the bank, just to take one example of one of the people she runs into, right? The first time, what happens? Literally, she like scooches out of the way in the hallway. And what becomes her fate? She gets into a car wreck and she uh, gets addicted to painkillers and then drugs and then she dies. <laughs> like that's, that's her effect. Uh, but like the second or third time through, uh, second time through, what happens? She instead goes on to meet the teller, the same one in the bank heist um, where Lola steals all the money. And so this woman, this random woman in the bank meets the teller and they get into bondage and she has a happy life, right? Two wildly different outcomes with almost no difference at all. And it's really fascinating and just kind of, and, and so chaos theory, I think the whole strangle of this film, you did not walk away from that. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna lose my mind <laughs> let's fly this is this is breaking bad this is that episode of breaking bad it's this happening. is fantastic we're keeping it all we'll do it live we'll do it live <laughs> and oh it's on my toe yeah i i i absolutely agree and i love i love that that you know, and they do it in a brilliant way with those with the photographs. You know, we get an instant view of the change or or of what happens. We don't really know at first. You know, she runs past that lady with the stroller, and we see, you know, what she what she the did. Lottery. She stole this kid, yeah. or, or, or well, first she stole a kid, right? Oh, right. Wasn't it that first? And yep. then the next time she runs by, she wins the lottery. We're like, oh, okay, so that's different. All right. And you don't really even then, maybe you don't really get it. You just need that third time through and you're like, oh, something is changing. And that one thing that's changing is changing them. OK, got it. Got it. It's but they but they give you the backstory in such an interesting way. Um, and very quickly, I mean, in five, six seconds, you get a view. And it's so the human mind is amazing. Our, our brains are incredible. We get a split second for each of those pictures. I mean, a split. I mean, it had to be like seven frames or something like that for each of those photos. And you get like six photos and you know the the future of that human being. It's just it's pretty amazing. And it's pretty ingenious to do that, knowing that people will get it in just a few photographs. Yeah. You know, and it's and it's cheap. Right. I mean, yeah, you got to do all these setups and stuff, but you just need a photograph. That's it you know, cut. And then to do that for multiple people, I, I just think, I thought it was brilliant. And yeah, great call on the chaos theory. Yeah. It's so good. And I think they're inserting chaos all over the place, like everywhere, even the quotes at the beginning. And I think that's why it's offset in this weird way, right? You have T.S. Eliot kind of beautifully centered and framed and composed. And then this other quote from the soccer coach is just, off down to the left it's not spaced very well <laughs> like it's just like what's happening and i think that's also why there's so many formats throughout the film right 35 millimeter film stock and stills and black and white and digital and speed ramping and animation and like it's just throwing you all over the place and i think yeah it's just telling this bigger story uh about how everything changes and Nothing stays the same. I don't know. I And to, to go back to soccer, I think there's probably other layers of symbolism that I just don't really get or can't put my finger on. And right, soccer has like red cards, green cards, blue cards. And I think different people are representing different things at different times. Manny, you know, gets I he when he gets killed, it's a green bag that he's holding. Right. With all the all the money from the the heist and he gets killed by the ambulance. And then we reset, right? Uh, when she dies at the beginning, the, the red bag gets flung into the air. Um, that could be a red card. Uh, and then at the very end, I don't know, again, this is all super conjecture on my part. The, the homeless guy I thought was interesting. He's wearing this blue coat. And what does he do? He exchanges the money for a gun. Now you have this homeless guy, armed with a bicycle uh, as well um for whatever that's worth and it's just what's he gonna do with that gun uh i don't know um but there's chaos yeah absolutely and i i'm not gonna say that i have my finger on all of it and maybe that's partly the point 
it feels super chaotic, but it also feels very purposeful. I don't think it's not thought out. I think I just don't understand it. I haven't decoded it. Um, and maybe that's because of any number of reasons. One, my appreciation of soccer is uh, right next to pottery. Uh, and two, I'm not, you know, German culture appreciator either. Like, I don't understand probably a lot that's happening within the, the context of the film that would help me, you know, unwind some of this stuff. Unwind being a pun. Thank you. And, but there, throughout the film, there's also this really nice thing that happens, which is chaos, right? Uh, the, the whole 20 minute sequence is just frenetic and um, punching you. And then we do these really amazing flashbacks with the red light conversation, lover talks between Manny and Lola. And it's so good. It's this perfect break to change the pace and tone of the film. You take this breath. And it's so good because it also gives us a chance to see them together, right? We get to bond with them as a couple because otherwise they're mostly separate, but we kind of need to be rooting for them to both be okay. So we need these moments to see them together, intimate, having these conversations. And I love that it's not one-sided. It's not just Lola doing the uh, the, the classic girl asking the impossible questions meant to trap you, you know, uh, because the second time through, right? Uh, after Manny dies, now he's asking the questions and he's looking for a reason to live and to go on. Um, and he's looking for that through her. And so they're, they're both completing each other in this way. Uh, and then of course we, uh, and, oh man, one thing I really love about this movie is there's only emotional reasoning, reasoning and logic on why we reset. There's no rule. There's no God that actually steps in and says one more try. Um, and there's really just this emotional reasoning. And for her, it's, I'm not ready yet. Stop. Right. I love that moment where, uh, and her voice is a really interesting, uh, aspect with this as well, because, uh, she, she, when she uses it, it can shatter glass. It can stop time. It can reset time. You know, when she dies that first time and she's debating, she says, I, I don't want to leave yet. Stop. And then suddenly the phone drops again and she's reset and she's going to go again. Um, uh, but at the same time, it can't do everything. It can't talk her father into helping her. Right. Um, but it can get her 80 cents. Right. She goes to the to the casino, which is an amazing out of nowhere segment. She goes to the casino. Uh, she has 99 marks and like 20 cents. And she's like. I need a hundred. And the girl looks at her. It's like, yeah, you only have, you're, you're short. She's like, bitta, you know, please, I guess <laughs> when I, that was the other thing I always think about with this movie is her saying bitta like a thousand times. Um, and it's just this beautiful little moment where she does, she's like, Hey, here you go. hundred bucks. And she goes, throws it on 20, 20 seems to be this recurring number, right? She has 20 minutes to get there. Uh, she bets on 20 and she has 99 marks and 20 cents or 20 tenths of a mark. Uh, I don't know if they call that cents over there. And she bets on 20 wins, gets 3,500 out of it. And she doubles down. And it's so freaking amazing because that moment she screams on that second time and it's freaking hilarious. Like I died. I burst out because I'm like, this is so inappropriate. Like what, where did this come from? Like you're yelling at these people and I love seeing them freak out. And yet the longer it holds, it becomes dramatic. It for me goes from like, oh my God, I can't stop laughing until the desperation kicks in. You're like, she needs this. Ooh. And suddenly it's just beautiful. It's just punching you. And she gets it and everyone's like frozen time stops, right? And she's got just a couple more minutes to get there. And she does and everything's okay. And of course, Manny worked it out on his own as well. Suddenly, they're both working in tandem um, through the fates, through just chaos, you know? Uh, and suddenly, instead of poorer 100,000 marks, you know, they're richer 120 some odd thousand marks. Um, and that's when the movie cuts. What does it cut on? The Polaroid flash, because now we get to imagine what their future is from here. Anything can happen. Anything is possible because they're in 
their new starting conditions are wildly different from what they were going to be in those other two scenarios. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I have no idea. I just know I love it. I love it for so many reasons. I also love the runtime. If you chop out the opening and ending credits, this is like a 71 minute film. That's crazy. And I am really fascinated with these 70 to 80 minute runtimes. Like this is by the clock, I think 79 minutes, uh, but the end has like four and a half minutes of, of credits. And then there's like a couple minutes at the beginning after the opening, whatever titles and the little weird, like mobby thing uh, with the voiceover uh, 71 minutes. And it's so brilliant because it's three 20 minute sequences on top of that. Um, and they do a pretty good job of staying right around 20 minutes. And it's not perfect. It's not like you can set your watch by it. Sorry, German Germany. Um, but it's pretty close to like 20 minutes each. And it's really fascinating as a method of coming up with a story idea of like, I don't maybe need to write 90 pages. Maybe if I write 20 pages and I just do it three times, like I can just vary things a little bit here and there to, to tell some bigger story. Like that's really cool. Um, and part of me wants to, to bite it because at that point, all he did, right. Was say, okay, now we're going to have these 20 minute sequences and then we're going to have a conversation that sets us up. Here's our scenario tribe. And then like this, uh, little interlude in between that resets the day. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know what it's about. It's all crazy. Um, I love all the repetition. Uh, even at the beginning, there's repetition, right? The bag, the bag, the bag, the bag, the bag, the bag. And it's like 50 different shots of them saying nothing but the bag. <laughs> and it's still playing into this whole chaos theory, you know, concept. Yeah. I don't know, man. I love it. I adore it. I think it's genius. Um, and there's a reason we haven't seen anything like this since. Yeah. What say you? <laughs> Dude, I'm curious what you think about the end. <clears throat> I'm curious about what you think about her reaction to him as he's walking up to her. I saw it. I think I saw it differently. Okay. I, I was reading uh, fear and yet a sense of peace. Like, I just know things are going to be okay. Like I'm, I'm waiting. Everything was dead quiet. Like there was not a person on the street and she was looking up the street, nothing. Um, where is he? Uh, and so, yeah, I kind of read that as she is waiting to see what happens. She's there. She's in time. She's on time. She's not late. Everything should be fine if she's on time. And so there's a sense of calm um, and, 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 yeah, just waiting. I don't know. I read all those things into it. That's the kind of the beauty mm -hmm. of kind of keeping a neutral expression like that. You can project onto it, whatever you want. You know, I think we as an audience know everything's okay, but we're also waiting. I, 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 I'm fascinated though, that you're like, she's wondering if this is the best life for her. Um, cause that's interesting too. Um, I don't know. I feel like they're destined to, to be together and she was on time. She was on time, Todd. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's awesome because I, yeah, I, there was no ounce of me that thought that she was happy to be there. Interesting. When she saw him, I, I think that, well, she was happy to be there until she saw him and that he was okay and he was, and everything was all right. And then I, it just felt like she was just questioning everything. Like all yeah. of a sudden, all three of the scenarios played out in her mind. And she's thinking, is it worth it? Like, that's what I, I don't, you know. Yeah. But I love that you see it completely opposite from that. It, it, seemingly where maybe not completely, but like, just kind of like, like, okay, this is, this is it. But she doesn't say a word. She doesn't. And it's interesting because and she I, doesn't even kiss him really. Right. Right. She stops. He kisses her and she just is holding. Yes. I think that's interesting. I think the way I read that was she was stunned. Like I, oh, okay. Maybe she was expecting the worst, but watching it now, I think you might be onto something. <laughs> like it might be <laughs> this life is too chaotic for me because even as she's walking with them, she's looking down, and yeah, she does. And, and she's holding the bag, and they do a close up on the bag. Yeah, kind of to remind you of what she has, what she got on her own through her own voice. You know, 
I don't know. But the last frame of her is smiling. And I think that's why I projected like mm. hope and love and 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 a future. Okay. Um because the very that's last just yeah. the strength of the of the movie, right? <laughs> yeah. You and I both see it. Like yeah. yeah. Oh man. It's cool. good, bro. It's a really I think it's a smart, smart, smart movie. Um for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is coming up with an idea that you can execute on a really good budget that has a high concept um, and is emotionally engaging and visually exciting on in so many ways. Brilliant. I just think it's a, it's a very, very brilliant film. And yet I still know that I've cracked like 1% of what this thing is trying to tell me. And that's a really cool feeling too, because when I come back to revisit it in a, you know, in a few years, I know that I'll learn something else because even watching like the security guard, I think there's so much happening with him and he gives her these looks constantly throughout the film and he's revealing nothing. Same thing that she, that same look on her face at the end is kind of the same look on his face whenever she's trying to figure out what he is and what he knows. And he gives her nothing. I don't know, but I I'm in love with it. I know that it works. It works for me. Yeah. Same man, same. This is a, a great example of a movie that like a lot of people can make, and it doesn't have to be on the same level. You don't yeah. need the crane shots, you know. Like uh, you can get in the in the in a car and get some running shots. Like I think that people can make this happen, guerrilla style, where yeah. you know you just you don't even get permits. You just make you just shoot. You, you know just, what I mean? I'm not I'm not condoning that. I'm just saying it could be done. And I think that's inspiring. Anything like that, I'm super into because I'm all about just going out and making something. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Great movie. Great movie. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. And this guy went on Tikwer, uh, uh correct us. <laughs> uh, he's gone on to, you know, do some really nice films. He's had this put him on the map. Right. And from here, he got really, really good budgets. I mean, he was making. Uh, oh, if you've never seen Perfume, Story of a Murderer, like, that's a crazy movie. Now, it's an adaptation from a novel, um, but that's a wild movie. But he's written for, you know, the Wachowskis. He wrote the adaptation for Cloud Atlas, uh, a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's been a, a rock star by my estimation. Um, awesome. Yeah. That's. I think that's all I got. Uh, I know I had a... Yeah bunch of other random notes i mean it looks like my notes look like chaos because i was just writing everything <laughs> like what what does this mean what is it, does it mean something you know she, gotcha. she, she blinks five times or i don't know but uh <laughs> yeah uh what are you going to recommend this week oh i'm going to recommend black mirror there's a new black mirror um season that's out and it's weird because some of the episodes i'm like uh okay and then others i i just Oh my God, but I can't get enough of it. I just have always loved this series. Um, just, I love the, the idea of one episode has nothing to do with the last one. Oh. So you absolutely have no idea what you're going to get all new people, all new story. And it's always something that you don't expect to the 10th power. Right. And they just take it and they go, okay, what would be normal? Okay. Let's double that. And and I just really enjoy it. So, yeah, I'm going to recommend the new season of Black Mirror, which I don't know. What is it? Season four or something? Six. I can't. Season six yeah. of Black Mirror. Thank you. Crazy. Yeah, I got one more episode to go. Um, yeah. It's been a treat because I get so inspired watching the way he takes an idea. Concepts are the easy part. People, me included, like we think we have these really cool ideas that's the easy part. The hard part is wrapping a really compelling story around it that makes you care about what's happening and what you're seeing and, yeah. um, and then staying one step ahead of the audience. Um, uh, that's and taking on the journey you want to take them on black mirror. Uh, Charlie Brooker is a genius, man. Um, it's so inspiring. It's so good. The one I, I most recently watched, I'm not going to give anything away about the, um, paparazzi. It's fantastic. Just, fantastic okay Uh, that's it i can't talk anymore i I watched that one yesterday oh my god yeah i'm gonna recommend an hbo film starring sydney sweeney it's called reality this is one of those simple genius short movies uh i want to say this is also under 80 minutes uh maybe like 85 
sub 90 films are super fascinating, but even more fascinating if you can make it 70 to 80 minutes. Um, it's called reality and it's about reality winner. That's a person. That's a person's name. Um, she was a, a whistleblower, uh, several years ago and this whole, it's, it's a beat by beat telling of her arrest. And it's absolutely thrilling, crushing. I think it's important. Sydney Sweeney is incredible. It's so funny watching her because there's some performances where I'm like, I will watch movies to watch her. And I'm like, you didn't bring it. I think the story wasn't strong enough for you as well. But if you give her a little bit of a story with some, you know, compelling elements, she's absolutely phenomenal. Like watching her in white Lotus, watching her in euphoria, she's magical and watching her in reality. Same thing. She is magical. Um, I'm really, really impressed with her uh, and a handful of other films, but there's some, it's one of those things. Sometimes she's on screen. I'm like, you're, you're, you're not here. You're not present. Um, and whether that's your fault, the director's fault, I don't know, but um, whenever she's on, she is freaking amazing. And, and this is a really important story. I'm so impressed that she wanted to tell the story because no one really wants to tell whistleblower stories uh, unless it's like 30 years later when it doesn't really matter. Um, and so the fact that, you know, she's wanting to tell the story that's uh, uh, a bit smaller, but God, and the way they tell it, the directing on this thing, man. If you watch it, there's going to be a handful of times where your hair is going to stand up just from some of the directing decisions. Uh, it, it, yeah, it catches you flat footed uh, and there's no way to prepare for it. And that's what's so good about it. Um, and that's why awesome. I, would, I would say that out loud. And so, um, yeah, anyway, on HBO reality and stay tuned for next week. We we've we've gone from where do we start? India to Ireland to Japan to London to Germany and you know what? I'm tired, man. We're not done. We've seen everything this world has to offer. But Todd, what about other worlds? Why would we stop? That's a great point. At just this world. There's we, other worlds. We shouldn't. We should not. We should so expand. We're gonna, yes. We're going to go across the Spider-Verse um, and see the new animated film, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So yeah, we'll see what Miles is up to and uh, catch up with some peeps. And yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Uh, see yeah, more to come. Stay tuned for that next week. And if you want to comment on this, oh, don't forget, subscribe, review, leave us a note. Something you want us to talk about, a movie you want to, uh, us to cover. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably consider that. We'll do a strong one. Um, we've had a lot of requests lately. I think it's hard. Um, sometimes it's funny because I'll throw out like films to you sometimes. And uh, it's funny the ones sometimes you gravitate. It took, I think, two suggestions before we did Kells. Um, and some it's, I love whenever you say no to a film. Cause I'm like, I, that helps me know when you say yes to a film, it's because you're excited about it. You want to do it. Sweet. Yeah. I never really know. And so some people, uh, we got a request. What was it? Uh, uh, Oh, Sopranos. And I was like, man, I can't get Todd to do game of Thrones. The, the odds of sitting through like, uh, 78 <laughs> episodes of Sopranos is not good. Um, but keep them coming is my point. Like, you know, we're, we're always looking for new stuff to do. And I like putting together thematic things. This was an impromptu trip around the world. It wasn't planned, but I love finding these, you know, through lines and themes and explorations. Uh, because I think juxtaposing one film against another can be really informative. There are so many things we didn't talk about that we could have, if we were juxtaposing these films, like, um, Spirit of the Way next to King's Speech is really fascinating to me because of the two character types and their experiences and uh, a woman, a young woman's journey versus a, uh, a an older king's journey, right? Uh, the vulnerability of women characters versus vulnerability of male characters. Like there's so much more that you can take away from just watching and listening to those two uh, episodes uh, back to back. Yeah. Anyway, um, don't 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 hesitate to to throw out some recommendations. We're we're always you know interested. And so if you want to uh, comment on this episode, you can do that at thepestlepodcast.com slash run lola run. And our quote of the day today is from T. S. Eliot. It is a test, a positive test. I do not assert that it is always valid negatively. That genuine poetry can communicate before it is understood.
that that's absolutely brilliant like the best of the best you just get it because you feel it emotionally and then you understand what it is i feel like music is a great example as mm. well like really good lyrics you just identify with and you don't really know why i mean if you've ever listened to the streets have no name by you too it you just get it and it's it it just makes you feel something emotional before you even have any idea what the what he's saying you know and i think that poetry is even probably stronger than music because music you can identify emotionally with the sounds and the sonic texture and stuff but you know but poetry i mean you do have rhythm with it and you do have if someone's speaking it you have a voice but but really it's just you know how is it how is it weaving a web in your mind and if it if you identify with the web that it's weaving because your brain is processing all of these words faster than you can actually notice it right and it identifies or doesn't identify before you can actually understand what the words mean i think that's so beautiful such a beautiful way of saying it a poetic way of saying it in general and i feel like this is a great quote man great great um selection here because i'm a big fan of stream of consciousness Mm -hmm. and of of just creating and not thinking about what it is while you're even making it and sometimes and i i think i mentioned it on the podcast before i'm a i'm a um, big fan of rick rubin and he's very much that style where he's like it it doesn't matter if you understand what it is that you're making even after it if you understand what it is it might not ever make sense to you but if you like it that's all that matters Right. And, and maybe you'll figure it out and that'd be great. That's great. Oh, yeah, that's what that meant. But if you're worried about like, I need to understand this during you've already lost, you know, and I think that that's just such a beautiful way of saying this. So great quote. It is because I think watching this movie, right, obviously he quotes T.S. Eliot and there's this whole element to that. But it also I feel like we understand on some level what's happening, even though we don't fully understand it. And I love what you're saying because what's fascinating about that, look, you can, poets often know exactly what they're doing. Like they make this simple thing, you know, look simple, even though it's really, really complex on the on the front end, what they're creating. And I'll link a video that I did uh, with your wife where we deconstructed uh, a Walt Whitman poem. And... It's going through and speaking of Breaking Bad, they quote this poem on the show. And so we use that that clip uh, in in the um, in, in the video and it's the learned astronomer. And l- looking at the poem, you're like, oh, I can see, you know, this is it's beautiful. It's got some interesting ideas. And then watching how they deconstruct it, the, the professors, the University of Texas. University of Texas English professors deconstruct this thing in ways that I never would have picked up on. Um, and so there's so much happening under the, under the hood sometimes intentionally, but listening to you talk about the creating process, like, yeah, sometimes you're creating and you, you don't know why you did what you did and why it's speaking to you. And I don't know how many times I've written something and realized after the fact, like, Oh, it's working on these levels. There's so many other elements at play that maybe my subconscious was speaking to, um, or maybe I felt later on that I referred back to, and suddenly there's a theme there where there wasn't going to be one before, or maybe I was just being so honest about an emotion that you can't help but create this intention behind it because you're just being honest, and honesty has a way of feeding back into itself and uh, regurgitating truths and truisms. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's a really wonderful quote. It's a test that genuine poetry can communicate before it is understood. And I love that he points out it's a positive test, as in when it works, you know it's working because of this reason. But if a poem isn't, you know, communicating anything to you, um, then I'm not saying this test is holding up the same. Uh, but mm-hmm. whenever it is working, it's working because of this. When it's really good, genuine poetry is communicating before you can pick it apart with your brain. You already understand. Does the quote it. have the parentheses in it? Is it this does. Like, yeah. It does? Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. that's pretty cool. I love it. Same. That is cool. Great quote, man. And uh, just a, just a shout out to you for all the work you do on this. I mean, all the notes that you bring in, all of the, the, the expertise and the explanation and 
and just week after week of doing the editing and and having the ideas and all that stuff like just kudos to you i mean i can't believe that we're episode 239 you know uh and that's all thanks to you so thanks kudos to wesley appreciate that you're the man you're the man i love this i love the excuse to talk to you and meet with you every single week even though we're 1800 miles away um you know and if that's all that we get out of this dude same it's worth it yeah same you know what i mean i get yeah. to hang out with my best friend for a couple hours a week oh. no matter what yeah and, and for you use showing movies up every as week, an bro. excuse yeah. <laughs> you know oh yeah Thanks, awesome man. well thank you for joining us hopefully you like this episode like wes said please subscribe review us everywhere you get your podcast and share us with your friends and if there's a uh, a film you'd like to hear us cover please make the suggestion maybe we'll cover it if we can uh, until next week i'm todd i'm wes go watch the movies we'll be right back.